It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Coming to you from separate locations in frozen Austin, Texas on Friday. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Yeah, it's cold in Texas. It's weird. You know, I'm not from Texas. I'm originally from the Northeast, Pennsylvania area. Shout out Lehigh Valley. Um, And even if you're born in cold weather climate and you live there for like 20 plus years, it doesn't make it easier to handle it when you get cold weather in Texas. It's still cold. Cold is cold. There's no discrimination. If you're cold, you're cold. There's no like, hey, different levels of cold. No, you're just cold. Anyway, yeah. What a po- what a podcast to start off talking about the the Austin Texas the weather. weather, but the local weather. In- it looks like it's cold a lot of places though. I'm scrolling yeah. through Instagram, seeing where different athletes are training, and it looks like a lot of them are uh, in some cold weather. So we are alike in that sense. It's the ice that gets you. I can deal with just cold temperatures and even snow falling on the ground, but when the ice comes out, stuff gets canceled. It's hard to run hard to drive that's right where i think man san diego seems really nice all the time <laughs> yeah i think that's why people like going to Foot Locker. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no ice on the ground in Foot Locker. yeah yeah okay so we got we got some meets to preview new balance indoor grand prix which is taking place in new york this year not in boston but it has a incredibly deep field and then we have the iowa state classic on the collegiate side of things and we'll close out by reading some emails and responding to some YouTube comments. But first, Gordon, I just want to get your read on this this New Balance Indoor Grand Prix meet. When you look at the whole start list, look at all the big names who are in it, which race do you think is the most significant? Which race are you looking forward to the most, not just because it's got big names in it, but because it might actually tell us something moving forward? I would say the men's 60. 
I think seeing Bromel versus Lyles again. Um, it's definitely Lyles coming to Bromel's wheelhouse. Bromel being a a world indoor champion in 2016. Bromel did show up, did run early well in the American Track League, but then kind of lost to to uh, what's his name? Oh, Ronnie Baker. TCU, Ronnie Baker, uh, and. Lyles, we know Lyles is the best in the world in the 200. And we know that Lyles, while he's really good in the 100 and can win in the 100, he, he does have a little bit of a kryptonite in the shorter distances. So you have to imagine the 60s even shorter for Lyles. Lyles doesn't run a, lot, run a lot of 60s. He never had to do it in college because he didn't go to college. That's where a lot, I think, these athletes learn to get good in the 60s is in college. And I think that'll be interesting because if Bromel goes out there and beats Lyles, Mm-hmm. That would be like, oh, okay. Bromel might be the next big sprint star. Not the next big, but like might be the <laughs> the the king of the sprint mountain, you know, while Christian Coleman is sitting at home, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good pick. I I can never put too much into a 60 because it's just a drastically different race than the than the hundred. We've seen time and time again people are look like gold medal winners indoor season and then they go outdoors and they're they finish eighth or they make the semis at the olympics of the world world championships but there's just the fact that they're lining up with one another and lyles is also running the 200 in this event so he's gonna run two two races here but i'm, He'll probably I'm interested break the really more, world record maybe in the 200 yeah yeah um bonus points at home if you can name what the world record is in the indoor 200 You'll have to, you'll be a real track fan if you know that, if you know that fact. But I I know it's not an American, it's some random guy. I think it's significant right? from the perspective of oh, isn't it Frankie Fredericks? I don't know. I don't know what his time is, but I think it's Frankie. I'll, I'll look. Indoor two. I think it's like nineteen ninety five or something like that. Nineteen ninety two. Frankie Fredericks, not a random 92. guy though. Oh, in, in Levin. In Le- so oh. Levin like is this low key soup. You look at the all time list. There's a lot of low like fast all time performance. Yeah, it is. B- we were joking about it. Oh, it's the BU of France. I think it might actually be. Yeah, Frankie Fredericks 992. That'll be that'll be interesting. I don't know. I have no idea what shape he's in. It's an indoor 200. The banks matter a lot. I'm not sure uh, how that Staten Island track is for fast sprint times. But with the 60, I think it's important from from a Bromel perspective too, because as you mentioned, he goes from the six fours to the six fives. Goes from dominating. Going against Ronnie Baker gets a loss. You know, how does he how does he respond? Is is he a six four guy or is he a six five guy? We know Bromel is one of the guys who can do it at sixty and at one hundred. He's not just an indoor specialist. So if he can get uh, another time sub six five here, get a win over Lyles, I think things look really good for him heading into the heading into the outdoor season. What's the event that is most interesting for you? For me, it's weird to say this because the field isn't that deep, but it's the 800, the men's 800, just because I want to see Brazier's response to what Hopple did a couple weeks ago when Hopple ran the second fastest indoor 800 in American history behind Brazier. I want to see if he's in that same type of shape. Now, Hopple's in this meet. He's in the 1,000. It's a bummer. It'd be awesome if they're running in the same in the same event. But if you're asking you me- You know they can do happen, that. They They can race each other if they want to. They're yeah. allowed to. Yeah, no, I, I wish yeah, they did. I wish they did. There's there's no rule saying that the two best 800 meter runners in the country can never race each other. Like that's not mm-hmm. a rule. There's also no rule that Sidney McLaughlin doesn't have to race 
Shawnee Miller, Weibo, or, or Waylon Jonathan, that she gets to run a 500 against a bunch of people who she's four seconds faster than. There's no rules against. Well, she's that. running the 60. She's running the 60 hurdles too, so she's doubling up. She's running the. Yeah, but if you're a four, if you're a 400 meter hurdler and you do a 500 and a 60 hurdles, you get a little bit of both. You get a little bit of everything you're going into. Let me talk about this for 800 though. Eric Sawinski's in there as well, but this should all be about Brazier, and I just want to see where he's at. Where does he measure up? We've talked about Hopple closing the gap, not just because of what Hopple did indoors, but go back to Monaco last year. He pressed Brazier in that final hundred. So I want to see our, do we have evidence that Brazier of 2021 is the same Brazier we saw in 2020 and 2019? Is he a little better? Is he a little bit behind that pace? We just don't, we just don't know because we haven't, we haven't seen it. And even against a field that doesn't include his number one U.S. competitor, we'll still be able to figure that out. Because Brazier has shown the ability to run fast even when there's not people keeping him company. Who do you think is dodging who? Do you think Brazier's dodging Hopple? Hopple's dodging Brazier? Or they're both dodging <laughs> each other? So I had heard he was targeting the 1,000 record for a while in this meet. That was written in some article like a month or so ago. I think he had the, the things. I think he had the races plotted out. I don't know. I don't know, but it does I mean, always work what, out that way, right? It does this is work what Galen everybody... Rupp and Bernard Lagat did. They would always not race each other. I mean, there was a time when they were both running running the same event, but just in two different meets on the same weekend. <laughs> like, there's something about like indoor meets where like they're like no one wants to race each other because they all want to like mm. keep their resume with like being undefeated in their resume before outdoor starts. It's like who cares if yeah. you lose in indoors? It doesn't matter. Yeah, just race and. We talk like it just doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry, it's just weird. You I mean, don't like it's my like pick. it's like you don't like my pick. It's okay. Well, no, I'm just up. I what's the point of running an 800? Like, it's just like people want to watch the best race each other, not like everyone run their own little time trial. I don't know, yeah. like, like they. Yes, Sawinski's a good opponent, but he's not anything much close to Brazier. Like, you're going to watch at 800, and the, it's not going to be about who's going to win this race. It's just going to be about, ooh, how fast will Brazier go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if yeah. you put Hopple in it, it would have been like, who's going to win? You know? Let me ask but you like, this. Let me ask you this. They're taking that do out. Do you think if they, do you think if there was a US champs this year, do you think they would have raced each other? Yeah. I do too. I do too. So I'm not, I'm going to give him a little more time to figure it out. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give him a few more opportunities to race it because I, I, I don't feel like they would have gone to that extreme because we've seen that too, right? We've seen people avoid each other even at U.S. championships. So I don't think it's gotten to that that level yet. But I mean, what was Brazier scheduled to run at the American Track League? He was scheduled to run a 600, correct? So he yeah. was going to run a 600 and an 800. And Brazier was running, or and Hopple was running an eight hundred and a thousand. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd rather have just one eight hundred where they race together this year. I'm with you. I'm with you. There's not. Yeah. Didn't you? It, it was you who did that analysis of was it Brazier and Murphy and how they've never raced yeah. basically. Yeah. Because <laughs> and, and, and that's why. Late. Like yeah. Yeah. 
and that's why when people are like, oh, you know, and I, I even I fall into this of like, yeah, they'll meet each other eventually. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. That's why if they're both in the same meet and they're both healthy, you want it to happen then because there's no guarantee that later on they're going to be that good or they're going to be at the same place. They're both going to be healthy. So when they are, you have to take advantage of it. That's why it was a few years ago, Bolt and Johan Blake. And everyone was like, oh, it's good that they're not racing each other. It builds up suspense for the for the Olympics. No, it was it's terrible. It's stupid. It's like they're yeah. they're good now. They're one and two. You want to race as much as possible. It's like, you know, it's like, let's see Federer and Nadal pay, play each other fewer times in tennis. That'll really drum up the interest. It's, no, play as much as you can. Play all the time. Yeah, They're the best we don't in the world. Want, Compete. When the Lakers and the Clippers play each other, we want them both playing their B squads until right, right, right. the NBA Finals Game Seven because we don't yeah. we, we want we want there to be anticipation. Not stupid. Like yeah, we're screwing. We're, yeah. we're we're diluting our regular season by turning regular seasons into the type of stuff. I mean, whatever. I'm happy they're doing it, and I'm being a Debbie Downer, and I should take everything I said back. But you know. <laughs> I do think though, seeing Bromel and Lyles together, that's something that normally wouldn't happen. And mm-hmm. seeing Sydney challenge herself in the sixty hurdles at least is something because I swear the the platter of easy race that they give Sydney at this New Balance Indoor Grand Prix every year is just like ridiculous. Like you cannot call that women's five hundred a professional race. Like it. It's 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 kind of it's like it's disrespectful to the fans in a way to like. I thought you said you weren't going to be Debbie Downer, didn't you? Just say you weren't. I'm going, be Debbie no, Downer? but like, look look at the women's 500 field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read the names. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's just like, what are we like? Why are people going to be excited to watch Sydney race people that are like? the equivalent of her racing like 15 year olds. It's just like, what, what, what are we getting out of this? You know? And I get, they're doing it because they want to confirm that their star new balance athlete gets the win, you know, can only have to, uh, it's less pressure on her. So she can focus. It's like, Sydney's one of the best in the world. She can handle pressure. Like she's Mm -hmm. good enough to beat fast people. You don't need to make it like soup. Like there's like a point where it's like, all right, you're being a little too obvious, but anyway, is this going to be uh, for you, like Ches and the Bowerman, every year? You're just going to bring up yes. the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix Sydney and the New Balance me until she retires. Yes, I could yeah, like so yeah, why we do. Yeah, Leah Anderson. I'm, I'm looking at the start list here. Leah Anderson, who has a 53 second, uh, 400 PB, and then you have Brenna Detra, who went to Indiana. I remember because I called some Big Ten meets. What's her PR? And she she has a – I want to say she was more of an 800 runner. Okay, great. Um, Wait, she's run 55 in the quarter and 202, 202 in the indoor 800. 202 indoor 800, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty 500. Good. We're not running uh, the 700. Okay. Well, that's the problem, right? That's the problem. Who's going to sign up right now to be like, yeah, I want to run a 500? Yeah. Well, so, you find even if you even if you wanted to have people in it, like elite people in it, it's just – it's in a nonsense – distance that nobody cares about really well, like uh, and the other one is, is i mean the 500 is not let's just be honest here there's enough real events to do 
Yeah. That we don't need to have a 500. Yeah, it's nonsense. Uh, Olga Koshichenko, who I unfortunately cannot find a Tila Stapaya page for, so I'm not yeah. sure. Not even word. a real athlete. It's a fake athlete. It doesn't even no. exist. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I found her. Hold on, hold on. I found her. I found her. Here, here we go. Uh, 55 in the 400, okay. and she's run a 202 indoor 800 okay. as well. So, so they're going – they're going heavy 55, on the 800, sir. 55 second, 55 second, and 53 second versus a 49 second runner. It's just like, okay, it's what not do we fair. Do? It's not fair. It's not fair. Stupid. I do like that she's running the I do like that she's running the 60 hurdles, though, and Kenny Harrison is in there as well. So she'll get she'll get some she'll get a real race in. Look, if you're gonna run twice in a two-hour meet, I'll give you the second event. You can do whatever you want. You could run a 720. I don't really care. You could run a 350 against junior high kids if you run one real race against an elite field yeah i'm uh, i'll give you a pass i'll give you a pass i mean sydney mclaughlin right? is not but 60 hurdles is not a real race for sydney either she's not a 100 meter hurdler she's a 400 I know, but meter it's hurdler. a real she should run the but 400 you get to see her i know against but 400 meter runners she, there's there's no yes but there's no 400 hurdles in this event there is it's indoors open 400. And there's no meter hurdles. there's no open 400 sure but look 60-minute hurdles against an elite field, that's kind of cool. I'm kind of interested to see how fast she would be at that because she's good at everything. Like, So you're sort of testing the limits when you're going all the way down to 60. We've never really seen her do a high hurdle. In, yeah, but like, like, saw, like since Corey she became Carter, a, a star. We saw Corey Carter yeah, do know, it. It's like, this is right. – It's interesting. Okay, you're being a Debbie Downer and you're pulling me down I and I don't appreciate it. So let's, let's keep it moving it's here. It's cold out, man. Here's it's cold. The, I got it. Here's the here's the race I'm the most surprised about. The field I'm the most surprised about. The men's 400 mm-hmm. with Michael Norman and Rye Benjamin. Because 400-meter runners, elite 400-meter runners, sometimes it's hard to find them during the indoor season. And for good reason. It's a completely different race. Michael Norman, of course, is the indoor world record holder back from his time in college. And we've seen those USA championship fields. A lot of times it is, it's heavy in, in collegians or people who – uh, are not in the top tier of 400 meter running in the United States. So to see Benjamin and and Fred Norman there, so it's the outlier. Fred Curley, well, right, but he didn't run it. I'm trying to think of USA. USA's last year, he wasn't he wasn't there. Um, wasn't, oh, okay. No, he wasn't. I'm trying to think of. I mean, he's run indoor meets this year, correct? So he does run. He does run indoors. So it's not like he yeah. never shows up, but. You go. You can go through the list, men and women, throughout the years. It's, it's like Allison Felix made some appearances. Sonia Richard Dross made some appearances, but it wasn't that consistency of every year they're there in the same way that yeah. it happens in in different events. Yes. But so I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. And listen, forty four fifty two. Norman ran that at that meet. It was NCAA championships back in what was that twenty eighteen. I don't, it's fun to, it would be, I mean, it's just fun to have a measuring stick to what he was when he was in college versus now he's been a pro for a couple of years. And yeah, it's a debut, but it's just, it, it'll just be a interesting comparison and maybe Benjamin yeah. can give him a race, his training partner. That's going to be a good race. I'm excited for that one. It is. Uh, now you're trying too hard I, to be positive. Like I just love yeah. it. It's great. Super awesome. Great, great day. Great, great. Great person, Rise. Great man, Norman. Mm-hmm. Gotta love him. I think I think he'll if they try. I think they will run the world record. I think world record okay. is 
a soft record. It's held by a college kid who happens to be Michael Norman. <laughs> it's held by him. <laughs> held by him. But it's held by like a lesser version of himself. It's like Michael Norman is okay. better than he was in 2018. So you have to assume that like, hey, he's a man now. Like he should be able to be like, mm-hmm. Break, he should be able to shatter that record. I mean, he might take it easy, but I think he runs 44 low, probably. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? Dude, what do you think? You want to go to do you think he runs? Do you think he breaks a world record? No. I'm going to say no. Ooh. I just don't know. I don't know what he's. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him yeah. coming out the gate with a, with a 44 low. I mean, he's certainly capable of doing it. He ran, he ran 43 mid outdoors in one of his first races of the year, a couple years ago. So I can end up eating my words on that one, but I, I would take the, if you set the over under at the world record, I would go, I would go over, but anything under, I mean, anything under 45 indoors is rare. That puts you in a very, very short list. Like you don't see sub 45 indoor runs that, that often. Yeah, I don't think it's rare because of the circumstances of it. Indoors run in the beginning of the season. Indoor is not prioritized by the top 400 meter runners. So sub 45 is going to become a rare number. Guess how many times there's been a sub 45 in history? Three. I just looked it up. Three. Okay, you kind of ruined it. You're You're supposed to say 30. It's 11. Only 11 times. Oh, okay. Only 11 times. Norman, Clement, Johnson, Karate James, Terrell Richard at uh, NCAAs, Curly, Bloomfield, Taplin, Merritt, Curly again, Michael Johnson again. Michael Johnson. So it's just yeah, it's it it's it's incredibly rare. But I think if Norman wanted to go, like if he did two meets this year, he'd blow it out of the water. But yeah. on in one race, maybe maybe he goes like forty four seven something like that. Okay, the 1,500 uh, men and women. Let's talk about that one now. First of the men, no Centro. He pulled out, but there's still Angles, Willis, John Gregoric, Drew Hunter, Jake Whiteman, Oliver Hoare, and Amos Barlosmeyer, among others. Angles the favorite? I guess you'd have to say Angles is the favorite. I mean, Willis looked pretty good at American Track League. All the attention went to... The high school kid who he trains with sometimes, but Willis Willis didn't look bad in that race either. Uh, I mean, Willis lost to a college kid though in that race. Not just any college kid; they lost to Taki, your favorite yeah. for the eight hundred. Taki, Taki, yeah, it's true. Taki. Uh, um, I'm just saying he has a race. We at least know a lot of these other guys. We don't know. We have no clue what's going on. I bet, I bet Whiteman wins it. Okay, I bet it. I I feel like yeah. I think we don't know where angles is that um like fitness wise when's last time he's run it's been a while and i can see i can i can see him i can see angles winning and they'll be like oh yeah that makes sense and like i'll see him losing and be like okay that makes sense as well he's just not fit yet and i can see he some raced, like international he guy raced come in the, and be like, boom he raced at the american track event he ran 146 in the 800 anyone oh no he yeah he got like fourth yeah. yeah okay so he is fit so then angles will win Okay. Yeah, he was behind Sawinski, but ahead of Murphy in that race. But you're right. We haven't seen him this year in his his featured event. Um, looking last year, what's the fast? He ran a three thirty five last year and 
in Monaco. Okay, so you got angles in that one. It's probably a pretty smart, smart pick. I'm interested to see like Oliver Hoare, Amos Barrosmeyer. Like I'm interested to see the the younger, youngerish guys. See what they can do. See if anybody can pop up here. Women's 15, Colin Quigley, Nikki Hiltz, Corey McGee, Heather McLean, and Alex Ephraimson. Quigley, she's a steepler, but she's really good over 1500 too. So I think it's going to come down to well, I think it'll be between her. Hilts, just the four that I said there. Hill, uh, Quigley, Hilts, McGee, and and McLean, who's won this year as well too. I think Quigley wins that. Quigley gets the dub there. Two mile for the women: Coburn, Purrier, and Jones, and the men: Eric Jenkins, Joe Klecker, Justin Knight, Morgan McDonald, and Jordy Beamish. A lot of ex NCAA stars, yeah, recent NCAA stars in that men's two mile. Yeah, I bet Jenkins wins that. He, we're waiting, we're, I'm waiting on Jenkins to have that, that comeback moment, like because he's kind of been forgotten about for the past few years. You know, coming out of Oregon, he was like on top of the game. He finished was it fourth at the Olympic trials? I think he mm-hmm. was fourth at the Olympic trials. Yeah. And moment. then ever ever since then, it kind of just like faded away. I think it dealt with injuries. But Jenkins is a talent, man. Maybe this is his year to get back into it. And you know, I'm going with guess Jenkins. how old Jenkins is. By the way, guess how old he is. I think he might be older than we think he is. Yeah, he is. How, and how old usually is he? everybody's way like usually 27? everybody's like everybody's way younger than we think. Yeah. So it's kind of rare to look somebody up. He's 29. 29. Damn. Yeah. It's according to according to Stepai, he's 29. I think he's a 10,000 meter runner and we saw that last year in the track meet. He runs 27 22. Yeah. I'm like really good. So this is if he's good at this at the 2 mile, if he's able to beat these guys, that's really good sign. That's just icing on the cake because I think his future is in that 10,000. And you've talked before about how the 10,000 for the U.S. is open. It this is. Year. It's wide there's open. There's some spots. Yeah, there's some spots. Walk right in through the front door. <laughs> uh, Coburn, Purrier, and Jones. I think Purrier has to be the favorite there. Again, she's someone who, man, just ha- has had some huge results indoors and outdoors. But it's a new year, and you just want to see if she can keep that keep that going i know our tendency is to think whatever you've done in the past you're just going to keep doing but you know it's it's hard it's hard to stay at that level but i mean she ran that mile in 416 in 2020 indoors so she's got the definitely got the tools and she went to doha in 2019 and ran those fast 5000s and got her pr under 14 or under 15 minutes but again that women's 5000 has just changed dramatically. So if she's if she's gonna try to make that team again, the five thousand, I think you're gonna you're gonna have to be. I know for sure you're gonna have to be in better shape than fourteen fifty eight shape to make that team. And maybe she's maybe she's gonna lean more to the to the fifteen hundred. Maybe she sees more of an opportunity there. So I'm I'm interested to see what she does. She ran two hundred two in in Phoenix last week in that that Bowerman meet. Yeah, I'm going with Perrier as well. Uh. So women's eight, probably not getting a lot of attention because, you know, Ajay Wilson is in it, but it's a good field. It's got Natoya Gould, Sammy Watson, Sierra Brown, Adele Tracy, who just won an American track league. And it also has Sophia Goriarin, who ran at American track league. She's a high school sophomore. I don't know if we ended up, did we, I think we, ta- we discussed her race. I'm not sure. It might've gotten lost in the shuffle, but she ran 202 44 
and she's 15 years old. Pretty good. Kids these, kids good. these days are wild. Yeah. yeah. I didn't run 202 I mean, in the 800 till I was like 17 years old. <laughs> I never ran 202 in the 800. Yeah, there's more. No, maybe I no, maybe I, I did at age sixteen. I think I did at sixteen, but still, it took me a year longer for me to do it than if this, this uh, was terrible athlete. If this was like fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, we'd be losing our minds at a yeah. high school sophomore running two hundred two in the eight hundred. But everything is just everything has gotten so fast across the board in the high school scene that it was one of many crazy performances. That is interesting how that happens. How like just the amount of elite high school type performances that happen regularly year in year mm-hmm. out. Whereas, you know, like you said, 10, 15 years ago, there's only like one person in one event every three mm-hmm. years or something like that. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a crazy moment. And then look at those times. They're not even running that fast, like comparatively, but like, mm-hmm. I think just all the people in high school were just so much, separated from these top high school kids but now more and more high school kids due to the internet and national coverage they're not trying to win their their local district meet anymore or even their local Mm. state meet they're all trying to be the best in the country and when you're trying to be the best in the country it makes everyone faster and it leads to 15 year olds running 202 in 2021 That's right. That's right. Women's four, I, you mentioned it offhand there, but is it's cool that Shauna Miller-Webo is running this race. World record 49.59. That's going to be really hard to get, but it's worth mentioning because it's Shauna Miller-Webo. Waddle and Jonathan and Phyllis Francis in there as well. And you got a women's 60 with Tiana Daniels, Leah Hobbs, Micaiah Briscoe, Jenna Prandini, Brianna Williams. 300's got some names in it. Women's 300 with Ellis Irby and Thomas. And then we talked about the men's 200 before with Noah Lyles doing the double hey if mm. you live in canada or if you live in australia you can watch mm-hmm. this meet live on flow track there you go there so you go. all my canadian and australian friends mm-hmm. do we have any canadians we, running this race well we haven't we got an email from someone who listens to the show in canada so maybe they there can you watch. go uh, they can watch are there any canadians in this meet justin knight is in this meet justin knight and then Oliver Hoare in the 1500. So, yep. Australia. There you go. Maybe. Right? Oliver Stand Hoare's up. Australian, right? Boom. So, he men's 1500 Australian. and the men's two mile. Just for you, Canada and Australia. Here's mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. So, yeah. And Gordon will talk about, uh, you know, the men or the women's 500, too. I mean, nobody in there from those countries. But also, Kieran, Kieran Lum is from. Uh, Canada, he's in the two mile. Morgan McDonald. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Morgan mile. McDonald. Yeah, Look I'm at just this. Gonna list, I'm going to list Australian and Canadian people. Uh, I'm sure Jordy, Jordy Beamish probably has a friend from Australia because he's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Julie Ann Stahill in Stali, in, I apologize if I messed up her name, in the two mile. She's from Canada. So, you got another one there. Man, there's just a lot of options so here. So many. A lot of options. So, so many options. Where does the women's fifteen hundred start? I need to find the women's fifteen hundred, and then are there any notable end. field events happening? Are there no- notable field events? Well, you got the women's pole vault, Sandy Morris, in there. You have 
Is Ryan Krauser men's throwing high, a shot again? Men's high jump. You got Eric Kennard and you got Trey Culver. Shelby McEwen, former NCAA champion. Keenan Lane. Uh, shot put, shot put, shot put, shot put. I don't think there's a shot put. No. Okay. So no Ryan Krauser show. No Ryan Krauser show. No all Ryan right. Krauser show at all. There's a college meet this weekend as well, too. Yes. Iowa State Classic. You wanted to talk about it. Yeah, well, later today. And that's yeah, your, later today. That's your second home. So second home, <laughs> Ames. Later today, if you listen to this podcast on the Friday, um, mm-hmm. it'll be weird to listen to this podcast after Saturday because it's like you'll just be listening to the past. Um, but <laughs> we're going to see Edwin Kurgat race Wesley Kiptu in the Iowa State 5K. Kurgat, who only has outdoor eligibility for Iowa State, Kiptu, who's one of the favorites in cross country mm-hmm. uh, this year. It'll be interesting to see I'll mix two things. One, how fast Kiptooth goes. Two, how in shape Edwin Kurgat is. And three, if the combination of both of them on the track leads to something awesome. That's mm-hmm. – I mean, if they go out on the track and they're like – they both run like 1330 flat, it's definitely going to like open eyes to this whole conspiracy theory that Iowa State is going to win the outdoor championship. Because you'd be like, whoa, okay, they got their Chez and Jenkins – like Oregon had in like 2015 where they can go one, two in the 10 and the five. Mm-hmm. I mean, all right. I'm just saying, but yeah, Iowa state preview, uh, Iowa state that five K is going to be good. Three K's miles. I mean, the fields are a little bit, uh, watered down because of pandemic, right? Everyone's kind of spread out, but it's basically going to be, a uh, a lot of Iowa state kind of flexing their muscles of their mid distance events and their distance events. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right now Iowa State, I have ranked, what, 13th in cross country or something like that? Right around 15th. Too I low. I think if they can. Too low. I know. They need to run some fast uh, 3Ks and 5Ks for me to bump them up in those rankings. They need to run some fast 3K and 5Ks to bump up their cross country rankings. That's basically this season in a nutshell, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm uh Yeah. Again, I'm I'm buying Iowa State down there in the double digits. What's been the response to your picks? Your rankings release? Have you heard from anybody? Uh some you know, it's always the opposite. Coaches hate what's well, weird. I feel like there's two types of coaches. There's coaches who say this is disrespectful that you ranked us so low. And then there's coaches mm-hmm. who say Dear God, why'd you rank us so high? Like, they don't want to be ranked high. They want the best of both worlds. They want to be able to say, you are doubting us. And they also want to be able to say, like, you are, you're making us look too good than we are. It's just, it's weird. Um, I do notice there is another college meet. It's not live on flow, but the Tyson Invitational in Arkansas is actually going to be pretty good. And Oregon's going there. Oregon is running like a mile. And it's just – it's called the Invitational Mile, and it's just five Oregon athletes, probably one of them being a rabbit. But Charlie Hunter, Cooper Tier, Cole Hawker, and Reed Brown all running a mile. Their PBs are 354, mm-hmm. 355, 356, and 358. Mm-hmm. Most likely they're all going to break four. I have a feeling they're trying to – because they've already run – like Charlie Hunter and Reed Brown have already run a qualifying time. So they're clearly mm-hmm. running this mile – 
to get like all-time marks, I think. It'll be kind of interesting to see what mm. Hunter, Tier, Hawker, and Brown do. I did see there was a quote. I want. I don't. I don't know where it was posted, but from Robert Johnson, who basically my takeaway from it, he said something effective like, "At or like we're Oregon, so like cross country is always valued here." So that might be a hint as to what they're thinking in terms of do they do both as opposed to just doing just doing indoors. So well, well yeah, see. they're gonna just a, they're just gonna go out. They're gonna run. They're gonna run a Pac-12 cross. They're gonna finish in the top four, get selected, go all out in indoor, and then just see what happens in cross. Like, yeah, I think Cooper Tier, if he goes all out in indoor, instead of finishing second or third at NCA cross, he might finish like eighth and ninth, eighth or ninth, which is like whatever, five points. Doesn't really affect it. It's still top ten. So I think their athletes probably all gonna lose five to ten places, but in the end they'll probably still be a top ten team. They're not just right. they're not trying to win cross. They're just trying to like perform and do respectable across. According to your opinion. Yeah, we don't know that opinion. for sure. Though, right? We don't yeah. Yeah, we, we don't I mean that's that that's like an that's an assumption based on what uh but I mean that makes the most sense. Yeah. Correct, right? Because because then the thing that you're best at comes first, so you can do that and then you can run cross country as icing on the cake and still perform really well because you're super talented. That makes sense. Okay. Um what else was I going to bring? Oh, on that same topic though, there was a poll that we put up. I wanted to read this. Let me find this. Travis sent this. To we me. got polls now? Uh, we got polls? Well, on on social media, he put up a poll that said, which non-NAU men's team is most likely to win the 2021 NCAA XC champs? Uh, BYU got 48%. Oregon, 35%. Arkansas and Wisconsin, 6 And Notre Dame, 5 that was with 2,000 votes in. It's a pretty good amount of people voting. Pretty good amount of people voting. Uh, your thoughts? So what was the order? BYU had what? 40-something percent? 48. 48, then Oregon, then Arkansas, Wisconsin at 6, and then Notre Dame at 5. So an, uh, a big chunk think BYU. I mean, a massive chunk think BYU or Oregon. People are sleeping on your Wisconsin projection, basically. Yeah, they are. Wisconsin, low-key good. Okay. All right. Um, some other comments here. This is funny. <laughs> Talking about Nico Young. Young is so overhyped when Salomon Borrego was his age, was running 1243, and Hagos was running 1247. Young has even broken 1330. Yes, compared to people who have won medals, he's not quite there yet, but we're comparing him to NCAA athletes. Um, no, boy, he has asked, a point. About- he has a point. That, my man has a point. It he does, does but we're show... not... No one's saying Nico Young's going to go win the gold. <laughs> no, but, like, why are non-American athletes, young non-American athletes in distance events, able to be better than, like, the Paul Chalimos of this world? Like, we have that in, uh, in our... American sprinting? has the equivalent of what East African and some European distance running has, right? Where Noah Lyles, right out of high school, at like age 19 and 20, can all of a sudden be the best in the world. 
why does American athletes in the distance events not have that same trajectory? Like Nico Young, he's the, one of the best young talents, but when you put him in an international field, he's nothing. But East Africa can get 17 to 20-year-olds who are the best in the world. What do you think is the main reason East Africa can have incredible teenagers, but America can't? Well, they're just, I mean, they're pulling from a huge group here, right? Like they're, they're, so it's just, it's a, it's an issue of depth. And then a bunch of them are going to, a bunch of them are going to pan out just because of the sheer volume in the same way. A huge group. We have 300 million people in America. We have the biggest group. No, but I'm, yeah, yeah, no, but I'm talking about of the, so if you're making the track comparison, right? How many people under the eight age of like 19 in the United States are like for the men are like sub 47 in the 400 or something, right? It's this massive number of people, right? Any country would like love the depth that the U S has in those events. Um, and then a couple of them pop through at an early age. I think the same thing is happening in Kenya and Ethiopia as to why that happens. I mean, you can, you can take it a whole bunch of different directions as to why they're good at an age. I'm just saying we're comparing Nico young to the NCAA where being good as a freshman on the men's side is super duper rare. So obviously you, we, we talk about Borrega and Ingebrigtsen in the context of international competition in the same way we talk about NBA players competing against the NBA and collegiate players competing against other collegiate athletes. Like you're not, I mean, when Zion was at Duke, you weren't saying, well, yeah, he's good at Duke, but Hey, put him in there against Joel Embiid. The guy's nothing. It's like, no, it's, we're talking about the, the people he's competing no. with now and what he's right now. That's, that's what's relevant. No, I understand that point. I understand the point of like, it's not bad to say you're really good in the NCAA, but I think the point of the post is to say that what is it about the American training operation from high school to college and all that stuff that is so far behind East Africa? Yeah. Which I think has been, it's been, I mean, the U.S. is not as deep as Kenyan Ethiopian distance running. That's not, it's not a newsflash. Are, are we just discovering that? Like that's, no, I know it's just been known not for a while. discovering that, but it just, you think it maybe this every is distance that, America, uh, what's the word, um, uh, cockiness to think that we should be best at everything, right? And it's like, hey, we're America. Why aren't we the best? I mean, it's yeah. just, I guess it's the same thing. Why doesn't USA Soccer be it, win every World Cup and where now they can't even make the World Cup? Like we should be yeah. the best or at least compete against the best. You know, we don't have us has no excuses for not being in the conversation for every sport because we have the financial ability to care about it. But I don't, you know, we have the infrastructure, we have the, the population to pull from, but for some mm -hmm. reason there are certain sports or certain events within a sport where we aren't the best or not the best, but like in the top four, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's also the idea too of like, look at Galen Rupp's career. He was good when he was young, but he wasn't his best when he was young. And that's like the longevity is, yeah. is something that I, that I think is em emphasized 
Um, obviously, there's been runners from Kenya and Ethiopia who have had long and, and distinguished careers, but the Americans who do break through seem to do, it, do it later. Later, and maybe that's part of the American system or the collegiate system. But yeah, I don't know. read read the Sports Gene by David Epstein. Get all the answers there. He's a lot smarter than I am. A lot smarter than both of us. Anyway, hey, um, speak for me. Okay, he's we'll definitely speak. smarter than Gordon. Might be smarter than me. Um. All right. So, oh, what about Stanford? What about Stanford? Someone wants to know. I know you touch on it a bit, but I find it the impressive that four of their top, yeah, four of their top six are freshmen, and they won the FSU Winter Classic by a good margin with two freshmen, uh, getting in twenty three thirty. Winning an event with not that good of competition does not make it good. I think we are thinking be, because of lack of cross-country events, we are kind of elevating the smaller events as bigger than they really are. And as a result, when you win the FSU Classic, we are thinking it's pre-nats or, or the nutty comb, but it's not. It's not pre-nats. It's not nutty comb. And so we need to kind of have perspective on these smaller meat wins and what they actually mean. And when you actually look at the the time gap that these that Stanford had, while again it's good, they're freshmen and it's not oh crap, this is like a top four team. It is, hey, this could be top ten. Like Iowa State and Colorado are not the same Iowa State and Colorado of years past. Like Iowa State's not a podium team. Colorado's not a podium team. So because you beat them, doesn't all of a sudden you, mm -hmm. you know, we we're giving more mm -hmm. credit to the name mm -hmm. on the jersey than the reality of who's wearing the jersey. They're just not in that same field of NAU's and BYU's and Arkansas's and Wisconsin's and Oregon's. It's just they're not. So I think Stanford's good and they're young, uh, but they're not great yet. They're one year away from being a year away. Uh, here's another comment. It says, dude, a D2 kid from Ashland just ran a faster time than any D1 guy this year. How do you not talk about that? Okay, hold on. Don't tell Trevor me. Oh, or you don't know who it is? I was going to try to guess what event, but you just it's 60 hurdles? No, no, no. Trevor Bassett, the 400 at the American Track League. 45 point. Yeah, yeah. It's impressive. Impressive. Impressive run. That's, uh, that's the same college as Miles Pringle. So... They're doing something. They're showing something good over there. What is your What are your thoughts on D two D three versus D one dynamic? Well, I don't think it really matter. Like this is an individual sport, correct? So obviously the the facilities are different, and the coaching is different, and the size of the school is different. But it's not the same as going for you know at a team. Like you can. You're probably going to have, this is an assumption, but if you are a D2 or D3 runner, you're probably going to have fewer opportunities than a D1 runner to get into, if you're really good, to get into races where you have competition. But you are going to get into races at some point if you have competition. When I was in college, Nick Simmons was at college at Willamette University, D3. And one of the first races I watched at Hayward Field was Nick Simmons going to Oregon and beating everybody in the Oregon Twilight Mile. And I was like, wait a minute, why is a D3 guy beating all the Oregon guys? And then I soon realized that it doesn't really matter, right? Because if you can get on the start line, if you can run the time, track and field is a meritocracy in that way. It's not like football or basketball or baseball or hockey. 
you run the times, you're going to get known. You can get in the races. Now, budget limitations at smaller schools might keep you from getting to these big-time meets. But in general, that's the beauty of track and field. That's a, you can If you can put up the mark, you can do what anybody else does, regardless of what jersey you're wearing. I would have to say there is, though, a caveat. When people say, like, oh, get the D. He's just asking, why didn't you guys talk about the D2 kid, right? And I think a big reason why even when D2 or D3 run top marks, it still gets overlooked because when you look at like TFERS, which has like the list of descending order lists, like they separate it. And so no one is like organizing a TFERS combining all three, right? They're only looking at D1. And, or, and like, I think that if you are the fifth best person in D1, you're more likely to get known than someone who's better than you in D2 because it's just like it's se- it's it's segregated in a weird way. Like, yes, there's opportunities when they run in the same race, but at the end of the day, the championship that everyone is thinking about is NCAA D1, and therefore that's the perspective of like after every D1 race, we're always comp- computating, all right, who's going to win the championship, right? And you're not mm-hmm. really thinking about who is the best collegiate athlete. You're just thinking about who's going to win the D1 championship. And the only time you think about who's the best collegiate athlete would be at like an international competition, like a USA's not international, but like a USA type thing where then you can now appreciate the D2 kid, like a a Simmons or D3 kid like Simmons or, or Drew Wendell. It's just, it's, you can't, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's there's see, I think, I think the other part of it though, too, is we just, well, we just don't see any different, like someone running three fifty eight in a mile, whether or not they're D three or D one, it's just like, well, doesn't matter because everybody's equal with the watch. So you just have this big giant list of now we obviously should have caught Bassett's time. I think part of it was because he ran it out of the, the slow heat in that, American track league race too. So it was, and there's a lot of results to get to every week. So definitely should have mentioned it, but I think it's just because everybody gets thrown into the same pot and whether or not they're in this division or that division, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's just like which times stand out. And like, remember a couple of years ago, we were losing our mind watching what Kenny Bednarik was doing it's true. for, for Juco. Juco stuff. I mean, 400s, 200s, like we were glued watching, watching those times, seeing what, what he was doing. Cause again, it didn't matter. Like once he ran, you know, once he smashed 20 seconds and ran 44 points, like, all right, this guy's going pro probably. Yeah. It didn't matter that it was from, I mean, imagine that, right? Imagine a, a guy going pro in a team sport or a woman going pro in a team sport from the Juco level. How often has that happened? I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, but like, there's a barrier that exists there in those team sports. It's just, it's not present in individual sports because they know agents, shoe companies know the time is the time. Yeah. And I guess someone like Christian Noble, the Lee kid, uh, who yeah, has yeah. run 1337 and 751. I feel like at the same time, 1337, and 751 and four flat, while they're all great and some are breaking D2 marks. 751 in the D1 world isn't really going to be like, whoa, like, you know, just 
another yeah, like yeah. a random Iowa State kid will do seven fifty one. So I think if he was running seven forty one and thirteen twenty thirteen twenty nine and three fifty four, yeah. where you're you're like, oh, you're the best in the country right now in college, mm-hmm. then I think it's easier to get noticed. But I feel like when you run elite times, but you're like top five elite. It's, it gets blended in with everyone else. And I think that's the issue. And you don't have the, well, I represent a school that has a chance to score points at NCAAs because you're yeah, in a yeah. different division. So, Right. That's a good – that's definitely a good a good point. It, it, like there's so many different perspectives with which you can look at it from. It, in the same way it was Jakob Ingerbritsen – he ran this time and that's an insane time for a 17 year old. That's an insane time for an 18 year old. And then it just got to the point where it's like, okay, this is just an insane time period. But if he did, if he didn't improve as much, we would have gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we just talking, we're just talking about him because he's young, but like his times are just like everybody else's times. All right. Like him doing this at 19. Yeah. If he was 25, probably wouldn't talk about it, but because he's, he's 19 and then you have to decide, well, how long is that? noteworthy till he's 20 till he's 21 till he's 22 now he solved that problem by becoming one of the best in the world so then you're going to talk about him anyway but yeah when do the caveats go away be it based on what division you run in be based on what country you're from etc etc or how old you are right like when do those go away and when are you just thrown into that mass massive bucket of hey we're going to compare you and your time against everybody else's i think that's a great analogy we overcover young athletes because of their age the same way we overcover D1 athletes due to their division. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just what it is, right? There's a re- like yeah. two people, uh, if a 17 year old and a 25 year old run the same time, we're going to talk about the. I mean, that's what happened at the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Cindy McLaughlin was interviewed first before Dalila Muhammad. Even though Muhammad won and it became the Olympic, you know, it's because uh, Sydney got the I'm young bump, right? And I think that happens mm-hmm. in the college world where someone runs 750 in D1, someone runs 750 in D2. The D1 guy is going to get a little bit more bump because it's like, hey, I run for NAU or Oregon or whatever, and I can potentially win a D1 title. So mm-hmm. you get the bump, even though they run the same time. And I think that bump goes away once they're all out of college because they're like, all right, now it's just we want to know who's top three in the U.S. And when it comes to age, that age bump goes away as soon as you're like 21 because then you're like, all right, but, now you're just like – But I will say this though. But I will say this though. Christian Noble, you said 751 in the 3,000. Is that right? Yeah. I mean he's probably the most famous 751, 3,000-meter runner in the college scene right now, correct? Because he's breaking yeah. records. He's getting interviewed yeah. because he's breaking records, because he's at that level, because all the stuff we associate with D2 and D3 uh, make his story more compelling because we're looking for a different angle. And I mean, I think you need to factor that in as well, too. So, speaking of age, though, let's go on the other end of the age spectrum because we got a couple comments. You were talking about Brady's Super Bowl and putting in a track comparison. Uh, someone said Bernard Lagat. This is sorry, my font is so small here. 
Akili says, Bernardo got winning 2016 Olympic trials at age 41 with a sub-53 last second lap is better than Brady and Abdi. And then we had another one from New Zealand bloke. I think Nick Willis running 356 indoors at 37 years of age, nearly 38 is more astonishing. And it looks like his kick is still there and just as strong as he was in his 20s. Yeah, I think the Legat, the Legat argument for sure, um, that was nuts to see. That comeback, especially after the – do you remember that? Like the 10K, he didn't look that good. And you're like, oh, is this it for Bernard Legat? This is how he's going to go out? And then he summoned something in that last that last race and outkicked Shalimo and Hassan Mead, Eric Jenkins. It was loud do that you day, think, Do you think in your lifetime – you will see another 40-year-old do something that Legat did? My lifetime, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because in your lifetime, you will not see an NFL player, NFL quarterback win seven Super Bowls. What do you mean? How do you know that? You're not going to see that. I'm going to live for a long time. You don't know that. You think it's impossible that someone else wins seven? So Yeah, and I'm going to – well, I'm going to live longer than you. So you're not going to be able to prove it. Well, I'll, well, I'll make the bet with your child. So when you die, I'll okay. He'll, he'll, your no, no, no. I am living me. longer than no, no. Your child, because I'm living oh, my, longer. Oh, so than this, you. Is a, this is a, this is our, my child versus your child. My my child that doesn't exist. Uh, right. So I need I need to have my children. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe I should. I, right now I should do it with my nephews because they'll the, my nephews versus your children. They're the ones who are going to pay out the bet. <laughs> We will not see yeah. an NFL quarterback win seven Super Bowls. You just the air. You've lived. How old are you? Thirty-two. You've lived a third of your life. The arrogance of youth. That nothing. That will. I'll, I'll never see anything beyond what I've seen in thirty years of life. The Gordon Mack take. The odds no. are not there, man. I think the odds of a team. What do you think someone said twenty-five years ago about this? What do you think people said just, when Tiger Woods was chasing? The all-time major record, and it looked like a formality. I think people would have thought he didn't get it. Sports. I are just weird. think you have sixty more years on this earth, at least. Well, I just think it's a lot harder. Years. I think it. We will see multiple Jordans and Lebrons in our career in our lifetime. Like we will see another LeBron take over for the next fifteen years. But football is different because it's it's well, a lot harder for one athlete to. Not, yeah, you need a team, and I think the right. luck that he had with his team won't be replicated okay so you're basically yes but that's weird then right but that's not an argument for why it's a more impressive athletic feat that's more of an argument for just like luck and happenstance combined with obviously great skill and longevity taking advantage of the moment like, yeah you can't super lucky and took advantage of the luck a 40 year old is not lucking into a win at the olympic trials is not happening, right? Because what has to go, they have to first get the qualifying time, right? They have to get out of the rounds, and then they have to somehow finish top three. Or in Bernard Legat's case, win the race and go on to the Olympics. Like, that's really hard. Could you argue he got – could you argue Bernard Legat got lucky based on the race uh, tactics that developed being best suited for him? You – could but I don't know if it was best at that age. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that dissimilar to every other five thousand. I've seen true. one. I've seen one clearly lucky, and I think you were there. 
2014, Sacramento, USA Outdoor Championships, men's 800, a massive fall, took out yeah. basically everybody <laughs> except who was in front? Was it Kaz Loxham who didn't fall down? I'm it was sure the weirdest was. race. Yeah. yeah. If you just like somehow tuned in halfway, you'd be like, wait a minute, is this like a marathon? <laughs> like the gap was enormous. That was that reminded me of that short track speed skating thing where everybody falls yeah. and then some guy who's in last place is like, well, I get the gold medal. Uh -oh. But in most cases, most cases it, be it doesn't happen. Dude, wouldn't it be awesome if like indoor track was had like that thrill the way indoor speed skating had where like you like that you I could just like that. i love that because it's <laughs> like it's like if, yeah it's like gambling you know it's just like oh let's see what happens <laughs> you know you just shuffle them up and deal like i don't know i think it'd be kind of wild if like every like indoor track was like a let's do like instead of 200 meter track it's like a 50 meter circle track and they're just mm -hmm. like always like shoving and pushing it'll be fun let's see what's yeah. gonna happen uh, we got a couple emails uh, I wanted to read here. Um, a couple people talking about we didn't mention the Virginia Tech men. Five of them broke four in the same race, which I expected you to be all over that. Well, I'm the one who tweeted it, so I talked about it. <laughs> I just we didn't talk about it on the on on this podcast, but I I I I was one of the first to make the announcement. Hey, I, this just happened. I screenshotted those results and I tweeted it out. We gave them some there love. There you go. So. Right. We didn't talk about uh, the pod, but yeah, I mean, they ran a bunch of three fifty nines, which still good. And Oregon's about to probably do the same thing this weekend. Um, it does get me excited though if Virginia Tech like stays healthy. You know, try to put together a really good four by mile at Penn Relays. That'll be fun mm -hmm. to watch. Um, mm -hmm. But anytime your fifth best runner is running three fifty nine, your coach is doing something right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, much props to them. Uh, let's go through this real quick. We got a question about Shelby Houlihan not racing at the Prickly Pear race. Not sure. I would guess she's fine, but do we really know anything about any athlete? I mean, no. I get. Do we know if anything? It's another, well, if it's a month, if it's another month that goes by and we don't see her racing, then I guess that would be a big deal. I mean, Centro pulled out of the New Balance meet. But other than that, and Bartles Meyer is in there. But other than that, it seems like they're they're prioritizing just racing in outdoors meets right now. Correct? Like they're not going, they're not yeah. making a big push for indoors. Um, but that also means that since her teammates have been racing, that we should expect to see her. So I'd say give it another month, three weeks, and then get concerned. Uh, Pete B writes in. He says, maybe I'm alone in this, and I know it probably isn't your area, but why does FlowTrack post the results in the title? Some people actually like to watch races without knowing the outcome. That is just dumb. Why not Inga Britson throws down and leaving, or holy SH star star, Sagai came to run? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's just you. Defend, your, defend yourself, Gord. It's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just you. Watch it live if you don't want to know what happened. That's It's not know. the responsibility I... of the internet to – withhold spoilers for everyone i, I was like, looking at others i don't know I can if you go to the, if you go to the front page of the of espn after the super bowl are they gonna be like did brady win find out click here well no. i think what he's saying is i think what pete's saying is just like but if you dvr'd the super bowl right and then you went to watch it it's like how does he how does he watch the race on demand just without go to the full of that replay. 
full of replay. replay doesn't have any spoil- spoilers in it. Okay, well, there you go. So, but how does he go get there without? <laughs> how does he get there without go, going to the home? Go, page? To, go to the Flow Sports app. Click on okay, it. Okay, good. Tell him how to do track, it. This is good. Scroll down. Click full event replay. Boom. There it is. Or have like yeah, I, someone a, else scroll to the get to the video for you. Click play and then watch it. So someone who you're okay. It's allowed to see the spoilers. Like have your son. It's like hey, have your six year old just like find the video for you and then push make it full screen and then you're good. All right, last one here. Uh, this is from Kevin. Says Gordon downplayed the significance of a high school boy breaking the national record. He beat every high school boy of all time, uh, which in- indoors I'm adding. That's which not includes true. Guys like Rock. well, indoors I'm saying, which includes guys no. like oh, American high school boy. That's what you're talking about. Uh, which includes guys like Ryan Webb, Hunter Fisher, and LaCorey, saying that sub four isn't what it used to be is irrelevant to the point that he set the record. Saying that COVID allowed guys more time to train also applies to college guys. It's worth pointing out that he would be fourth in the NCAA, wedged between the guy who won his race and a guy he beat in that race. We are five weeks into NCAA season, and an 18-year-old high school kid who had never run on a bank track or run with 20 seconds within 20 seconds of the time was able to run faster than all but three of the 18 to 24 year old guys in the NCAA would not be surprised if this kid runs 355 indoor and 350 outdoor, which would place him in a competitive position for trials. And he also brings up the Vatek thing. The idea, the idea that 350 is ambitious. 350 is ambitious. Yeah. I'll say that. The the idea that like he's, he would be fourth in the NCAAs. You do realize that like 70% of the best distance runners are not running indoor. And that's why, like it's easier to be fourth in the NCAA. Like you don't see, I think Yared Nagus would be better than him, right? So that makes him fifth in the NCAAs, right? I think Luis Grijalva would probably run a faster time. So that makes him sixth in the NCAAs. Like you could keep going and add more and more people who can run fast miles who would make the 357 become 14th in the NCAA. Still great. Still 14th. Still awesome. 357 is still good. And also, Alan Webber in 353. In two thousand what one, one outdoors like 20, yeah twenty years outdoors. outdoors. He's talking, he's talking indoors. Like, he's talking indoors. I know he's talking indoors, but like, I like how you channel all the rage to me as if I wrote the email. Like, come on, man, chill. No, it's great. Here. And three fifty seven is great, email. and he should be happy. His parents should be proud. He's probably going to go on and be a great athlete, maybe even make an Olympic team, and he's going to have a huge legacy. But it's not like the guy ran three forty nine. So it's got just like that's all I'm saying. What about Salomon? I think America. What I want to know. I think Why are we not I think Americans love to attach to to like records and then think it's mm-hmm. like the most incredible thing in the world. But sometimes we have to recognize like the world is bigger than just the track and field mm-hmm. news top ten list, and that just because you're at the top of that list doesn't mean like we are witnessing history yeah we're witnessing technical history because it happened to be on the indoor track and under the age of this and still enrolled in a u.s systems high school that is founded by like we get it but like in the end (laughs) it's a 357 like that's what it is yeah it's a 357 which is great better than three i will never run a 357 there there's probably only going to be very few amount of people ever in the world history who run 357, and he's part of that group. I do, I do want to say, I did uh, a friend of mine. I'll leave this person nameless. 
when this person said, "Did you did you see that Keebler kid?" Uh, and they Is didn't know Keebler? how to, yeah, keep like Keebler Elf. They're like, "Who who, mm-hmm. who in the fast time was it like like Keebler like Keebler Elf Keebler something?" And I laughed out loud because that was their reaction to Hobbs Kebler. Well, that's his Kessler. name, Hobbs Kebler. Kessler, Kessler. So Kessler. I even messed up. Same Hobbs Kessler, and the person's like, "Oh yeah, Keebler, like Keebler Elf." And I thought that was funny. Their reaction to that person's name, Hobbs Kessler, is a very unique name. It's a good name. It's a great name. name yeah, I think that's up there with JP and Joe Dragon. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think he's got a bright future just because. I think so too. Again. Again, he's only behind I, – I think – I'll just reiterate what I said before. I think he's different than those other guys. A lot of those are 359 guys. I think the fact that he's yeah. 357 and the, and the fact that he doesn't seem – he just recently is all in on on running and he's got all these other interests and stuff. I think once he starts training, um, you know, gets more years of training under his belt, I think uh, I think we could see him get – yeah, get into the low, the low 350s. 350 this year, obviously – like way ambitious but um and if you get to 350 then you're competitive obviously then internationally i mean he doesn't have far to go to get competitive internationally uh but he does need to he does need to obviously knock off time right because if if 340 357 is like a 340 1500 runner right a 340 1500 runner uh, we wouldn't say going into most like u.s high u.s caliber races would be uh, a favorite to win they would still be yeah. back there but he's in he's in high school still oh look it's one last thing there's three rounds at the olympic trials right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what where does hobbs kessler finish the season is it not qualifying for the olympic trials is it making it to the first round second round final i'll even say top three and then making it winning the olympics right where does his line end? Where do you think he? What's his semis? He maybe gets he makes semis? it the semis. Here's what I don't know about him: his kick, because we saw this time yeah. trial type race. So how does he do in a race that goes out in 65 seconds, where everybody's just looking at each other? That's that's what I want to know, and I haven't seen enough of that yet. Yeah, I think he makes it to. Webb just could the first kick. Round. Webb could kick, right? But he still still didn't have luck that first U.S. championships because inexperience. But, I mean, I mean obviously, yeah. Webb was a monster in the 800 and could close. All right, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address, or you can find us on our YouTube page. Leave some comments. Uh, next week, very, very busy week for us. Uh, we'll start on Monday with recapping some results. Gordon will be on the road. We'll talk more about that next week. I might be on the road as well. Thanks to Alon for producing. Enjoy all the track and field this weekend, guys, and we will see you on Monday.